Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Gestalten podcast. My name is Martin Groschwald and alongside, as always, I have my very, very lovely and uh, very appreciated colleague, Eric Alina. Eric, how are things? Hey, thank you, Martin. Thank you very much for that welcoming intro. And uh, <laughs> the yeah, feeling is very <laughs> mutual. But, uh, <laughs> All right. Now, I'm doing so, well. I'm doing very well. Very well. I'm ready to get into this next... Uh, next. So this is part two uh, of, our, of our podcast of the Geneva No Show. So um, <laughs> welcome and thank you very much for joining us. Yes. So uh, part two, as Eric just mentioned. So if you have not listened to part one, uh, we dealt over there with all the production cars that we felt were worth talking about. Now, part two will be, I think for, for us, is always a little bit cooler to talk about the show cars and concept cars that we would have loved to see at the Geneva Motor Show. But unfortunately, of course, it was canceled due to the coronavirus. So a small disclaimer up front, all of the comments that we're doing here are based on cars that we have only seen on pictures or we have seen videos of them, but we have not been able to see them actually in the flesh. So please do not hold that against them. Or against us in that regard, <laughs> we will do <laughs> we will do the uh, the best to kind of put them into a very broad and overall and professional um, you know review to put it that way. And uh, you know, long story short, let's crack on. And we will actually start with the poster precept concept, which was actually presented a little bit before the Geneva Motor Show, which would have his first official. Um, you know, presence at the Geneva Motor Show, which of course that didn't happen. But this car has received quite a bit of praise um, from the media, from the car design community for, you know, its its development of the Polestar brand. So Eric, what's your take on, on this praise? Um, I wholeheartedly agree with everything that is being said uh, in favor of this vehicle, because um, I, I really do like where they're going. I do like um, a lot of the solutions that they've implemented in this all-electric vehicle. So, you know, Polestar at the moment, um, the first Polestar 1 that was uh, unveiled, um, where was that thing shown? Was it in Detroit many years ago? Anyway, it was shown under Volvo. Uh, it was called a Volvo concept at the time. It was the concept coupe which was great. It was uh, one of Thomas Ingelath's first uh, vehicles, which basically pointed the way towards the um, XC90, which was the first production car off of that uh, design language. But it was very much a Volvo thing. And Volvo took it and ran with it. Max Masoni, obviously, with the exterior design, then Robin Page with the interior. Um, now that Robin is heading up... Um, Volvo uh, in general, and Thomas has moved on to become CEO of Polestar. Uh, Max is now the design director of Polestar and still has his toe in the uh, Volvo brand, obviously, as the exterior design director there. Um, what I love about this vehicle, just to that background aside, is it's it's really showing Polestar coming into its own and you know, very much different than some of the other things that we've seen before. So clearly, you know, concept one was that, um, you know, concept coupe, uh, the Polestar one rather. Uh, Polestar two uh, was the, um, you know, the little guy that was shown off, quite robust, very, um, I think, different from a typology perspective. Um, it was a crossover, certainly, but, you know, it had a, a, a robust nature and it was very well received. And I particularly like that vehicle. And now we're coming into something that is the big saloon class. But um, for Polestar, they've done something very different. Um, and and uh, clearly, it's I think it's very contemporary. It's very modern. It's at the same time, it's, it's sensual, you know, and mm. even though it's 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 very technologically there. It's it's uh, you know super contemporary from a design is very modern, right? But um, it's also extremely um, sustainable in a lot of the elements that they're using within the interior and 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 things of that nature. What I love about it, I think, is the new DRG, right? The Volvo also they have these two lines, the Thor's hammer, um, you know, and that's very much coming to the fore in this, um, which is 
again, a, a different example than what Volvo's showcased in their Thor's hammer. So it's, 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 I think it's, it's showing Volvo really coming into its own. Um, and that Polestar. is Polestar. Or Polestar, Polestar, I should coming. say, I keep doing that. Yeah. I keep doing that. <laughs> um, it, 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 you know, it, it ticks all the boxes, um, all the right boxes, right? It's not, it's not the son of Volvo. It's identified its own design language, it's carving out its own place in the electric car segment. And, you know, I think, uh, from a surfacing perspective, it's very modern and, and sweet. Um, mm. you know, it still has these kind of sharp edges, you know, um, but also it's, it's really very much, uh, a Swedish, dare I say, kind of design language, right? Um, mm. I like how they're dividing the, uh, the body from kind of the technical underpinnings through these different colorways. Showing this vehicle in white is really quite, uh, a, a good, um, choice as well. Mm. Um, because then you can get to see all of the different, uh, sensors and things that are kind of embedded within what would normally be the grill now. Um, so it's a different take on, you know, showcasing this technology, but also the, if you just look at the front face of that car, there's numerous innovations, right? There's a lot of, um, elements that are influenced directly from aerodynamics and aerodynamics massively important in an electric vehicle, um, with this kind of, um, you know, front spoiler, if you will, which is, it's more of a wing because it sits atop the hood and therefore guides air over the body. And then at the rear, you've got this almost, um, you know, horizontal backlight, you know, there is no actual backlight on the car. It's, it's actually part of the roof. So that I think it's, it's super cool. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know how that affects rearward visibility. My assumption is that you're not even going to care because all of these cars in terms of, you know, side view mirrors and, and rear view mirrors are all now turning electric. So you've got camera based, um, uh, systems within these vehicles. So I think from an aesthetic perspective, the exterior of this vehicle, they've done a really, really good job. Um, you know, and, uh, and the interior also, uh, you know, really speaks to the, uh, sustainability aspect and mm. the fact that they are working with some partners that are, you know, leaders in their field to show more sustainable materials, um, you know, uh, the, the user interface as well. Um, very simple, minimalistic, very clean. And um, I think it's, it's definitely, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and, you know, I really, really like the, um, the, a, a lot of the messages that it's conveying, certainly in terms of the sustainability aspect, right? Um, certainly in terms of saving up, saving weight, um, you know, the composites that are being used, a reduction of plastic mm. waste, uh, the recycling of, um, you know, PET bottles, the, uh, the, the reclaimed um, fishing nets. I mean, all of these things, it's really, 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 really nice. And again, you know, I like where Polestar is going from a colorway perspective, you know, with the orange mirror, um, seat belts and things like that, the little flags. Uh, you know, I, I think they're doing a lot um, in terms of moving the game on for electric vehicles because let's face it, Tesla has been the leader in this segment for a long time. And I don't think that they really have managed to differentiate themselves from other, um, you know, designs uh, in communicating their electric um, significance or, or, or underpinnings. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's imperative. You don't need to. Clearly, people don't want to have something that stands out and that's too weird. They'd rather have something that just has a lot of really cool technology, but is pretty. And I think mm. the Polestar precept definitely um, is uh, carving out uh, a niche for itself in that area because it's really very well done, very nice. You see, I, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I think for me, if I look into, especially the exterior, we're, it's still, you know, not transparent or transpiring the technology as, for example, a Tesla does. Yeah. Um, it's from, from, a, from a pure aesthetics perspective, uh, what I do like is the side view. I like the rear. I mean, you've mentioned the, the lights and that looks really cool. I have to say, though, I'm not sure about the front. This is what I was really looking forward to in Geneva because I remember I sent you, I think it was a text message or we had a quick phone call. I was just like, I want to see that front um, mm, in, yes. in, in, in real life. 
Uh, I'm not a major fan of the lights. Uh, it's still for me like you know the the upper part of the lights is very much Ferrari esque. The lower lights is very Volvo um, in that sense. I I was hoping a little bit they could play a bit more like that, um, like you know find out their their way. I'm not mad at it, you know at all. I think it's it's uh, it's a very well rounded exterior, but I think they could have they could have been a bit more progressive. Uh, Ingelad of course said that this is close to what uh, the future pole stars will be like so i expect this to be closer to production than we might think oh yeah um but it it, it not a, lo- a lot of this what a lot of people you know have have made it is is new the lidar systems being you know being seen on the top of the roof is something that biden has shown a year ago mm. uh that's not necessarily anything that is new and exclusive to pole star um i am no, I mean, I'm that's probably the only jar. element that's a bit jarring is that, you know, having that yeah, yeah, spaceship-like thing over. But That's okay. I want to say I want to say necessary. Of, well, yeah, yeah, I understand that, you know, but what I found a little bit challenging, but maybe that's just me, but I would love to hear from other people about this as well. If you look into the uh, the seatbelts, for example, hmm. um, the seatbelts and the buckles actually, you know, have this imprint, I think it says like since 1950, which is a question for me is like, is this still a Volvo? <laughs> does it really? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. It's actually like, you know, there, there was one, 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 one really close up and it says like since 1950, like, you know, and it's like, why would you do that if you want to separate it from a Volvo? Like, mm. is it, is it, it's, it's not a cohesive kind of direction for me. Um, what I do, however, like is, um, I like the seats. I think they have, uh, they have uh, they have a great kind of development to them. I I just like the way they look at. It. They look very comfortable. I like the armrest in the rear as well. Uh, you know, to have this kind of very comfortable feeling with that. Um, what I would challenge, and I would love to try it out, is if that infotainment system really works. Because you know they've and if you watch the video, they have shown that you know if the closer you get with your finger. So the the screen changes and it becomes almost like a haptic system. So, you know, when you take your your interaction method, which is usually your finger away, uh, it becomes a big screen that shows the necessities that you have. So probably, you know, your navigation system and all these things. And the closer you get with your finger, that's when you interact and buttons come up. Mm. Now, my question is, is that really safer than, you know, other systems that could be out there? Because if I have to put my finger there and I have to look where I have to press, is this actually a method that uh, you know that 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 is very user friendly? It's something that you have to try out, especially you have to try it out while driving uh, on a concept. I understand where they're coming from, but I would not want to kind of you know overly celebrate the whole thing because there are some elements that i that i would question if they would work like that or if it's just a kind of a nice idea to come out with it um what i would like to say and this is uh, very interesting if you look back into the volvos when they first started off uh, under ingenlad they clearly had a very strong emphasis on exterior design and if you then really you know drove the production uh, version of the xt60 40 all these things the interior was a bit of a letdown in terms of quality um, this looks much more comprehensive. Um, I think, you know, the, the way they are now looking into what the future of Polestar could be looks much more comprehensive as a whole. And in terms of the quality that it might be, that they might be using looks much more interesting and a much more higher quality than maybe what, uh, what Volvo is. I mean, I think they mentioned this openly as well in, in, in an article that their focus was on the exterior of the Volvo in the beginning, just to kind of get, you know, the, the presence back again onto the streets. And I hope that, that at, uh, at Polestar, they have now come to a point where they say, now it really lives on the inside. And I see very good directions from, from, from that. Um, for me, the exterior and what I expect nowadays uh, from both Ingenlad and also Max Mizzoni is uh, is spot on. You know, it's it's very good. But I would have been very disappointed if it wouldn't be because of the standard they have set for themselves. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how far they can go with that, how far they can push for it, because it's very promising. I really like it a lot. Like I said, I want to see the, the 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 front at some point in in, in the flesh. But it's certainly uh, a very interesting direction, very, very positive and not my favorite that would have been at the show from what I've seen so far, but definitely uh, one of the the better uh, concept cars that they have done. Yes. No, I definitely agree. I mean, and I think like you say, like you say, I think it is very close to production. 
Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't think that it's, this is going to be very far off when it does come out. So, yeah, I mean, chapeau to the guys over at Polestar and indeed at Volvo because uh, it's it's the same team, I think. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, you exactly. know, it's, um, they're, they're, doing, they're doing very well. All right. Now, second one on our list that we think is very much worth mentioning is um, from a company that traditionally has had very great concept cars, but has always struggled a little bit with production cars. Now, uh, the Renault Morphis, is that how you spell it? Morphis uh, or, you know, pronounce Morphos, it? I don't know. Morphos. 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 Yeah. Um, was presented. There were some very early leaks uh, mm. on this as well, but now we have seen everything about it. And um, yeah, as the name suggests, this thing can morph. Uh, the wheelbase can morph as well. But I would have to say it's probably one of the weaker um, show cars, concept cars that Renault has shown over the past few years. I was quite a bit underwhelmed when I saw the pictures. Oh, really? Well, that is mm. completely the opposite <laughs> sentiment that I have. Um, All right, then let's yeah. go. Okay, you uh, go first. and then I, I, I really, I, I do really, really like this car. Um, in a, uh, it's a concept, so, you know, it's not real. Um, but I love where they're going or what they're thinking about. Um, you know, there's so many really cool elements uh, within this vehicle. Um, and that are, I would say, uh, you know, pretty much... Um, and, and very, very relevant. Now, this isn't something that is, is brand new, but obviously it's a, it's a morphing concept, right? The mm. fact that it can transform from 4,400 millimeters long and then it, it can extend something like 407 millimeters um, overall in, in the length. Um, the wheelbase itself extends a little bit less than that, but nonetheless, um, it adds... Uh, it adds some uh, some length to the rear, so you can put additional luggage. Um, it also adds some length to the wheelbase, therefore improving rear seat legroom. Um, and at the same time, whilst it's doing that, you can then bring it to some dedicated, uh, you know, platform system uh, where there is an additional fifty kilowatt hours of batteries that can be placed within the uh the platform so therefore more than doubling the uh the kilowatt hour battery available because the standard is like a 40 kilowatt hour battery pack so eff effectively you're going to have 90 kilowatt hour battery pack um and the range is going to be quite extensive as well now again this is a bit fictional as you mentioned you know renault is always great in terms of putting out concept cars um and i i love the work that they do there but let's face it, in, the, in, in, in recent times, some of these cars that they've shown have not been as, you know, um, as uh, relevant, I would say, in terms of what is happening in society today. Um, last year, for example, the Ultima, right? Like how mm. relevant is that? You know, super luxury, like three passenger, seven meter long. Maybe I'm exaggerating Especially a bit. Especially for someone like Renault. Renault yeah, is not exactly, super luxury. Right? For like, uh, for Renault, like uh, it, it, it to me, this, you know, this uh, Morphos is, is far more um, tackling the issues that we're facing now, right? We need compact mobility to, to get around in cities. We need electrification. Also, we might want to take those cars on a longer trip, but hey, we don't want to lug around a huge battery pack all the time or have indeed a very large, long vehicle because if anybody's ever driven in Paris, that's the last thing you want is like a Bentley size Mulsanne driving around um, in Paris. It's just, you know, where are you going to park it? Um, mm. So, you know, that's the thing. Even if you do have a chauffeur, you don't, you know, getting around in narrow streets in Rome and in, in, in Paris and even in London. I mean, there isn't that much space in European cities. So Renault coming up with this vehicle that can shapeshift effectively get to be much longer, fit more people or more luggage and make the passenger compartment more spacious. At the same time, you know, if you look into the detail and how it is that they've done this, because it's important to actually say, this isn't the first time Renault has explored this, right? I mean, if you look back to shit 20 years ago, almost, um, they had a concept called the Renault Zoom. And that was done in collaboration with um, Matra. Um, and it was like, it basically had 
these, it looked like a bug. It had these two legs in the back um, where the wheels were. And then when you wanted to have it driving around, it could it lengthen itself. So therefore lower itself on the rear legs and extend itself, providing a longer wheelbase and more comfort therefore. But the cabin stayed pretty much the same in terms of the overall uh, volume. And, but what it did do when you got up to a, to a, um, a parking space, those rear wheels would tuck themselves in below the cabin, therefore basically turning the vehicle into uh, something half its size so you could park it more easily. So the footprint was considerably smaller when driving around in urban areas. And that is basically what Renault's doing with this Morphose concept. But I think aesthetically how they've done this if you look at the way that everything kind of meshes together into the rear bumper, I mean, the whole DRG transforms on the front of that car. The headlamps change whilst it's changing and lengthening. And I think that is just a, a brilliant piece of that design. You know, the fact that it's so intricate, like, look, it's like I said, it's 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 completely fictional. It's a flight of fancy, but why not? So was a lot of the other things that were shown um, in recent times. Um, but this is going to be, yeah, uh, an extremely costly show vehicle that is not going to make production, but it, it makes you think, you know, what if there is, you know, a way to basically come out with a car that can lengthen and retract based on the user's needs, the cabin that can shift, um, positions. If you want to create a more social environment where you want to have some dialogue between the occupants and then the way the the whole kind of screen folds out if you want to access some of the information that's there. Like these are things that we're seeing on like mobile phones, for example, right now, you know, people that are like looking into ways of maximizing functionality, but minimizing the intrusion in terms of like the visual intrusion. Um, but anyway, I think it's a really nice, a really, really nice uh, proposition there. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, I think it's it's just something it, it just doesn't give me anything. You know, I don't find it um I just don't find it a an aesthetically very pleasing object. You know, I understand that with with you know changing the wheelbase, uh you know, obviously lengthening the the car comes certain kind of restrictions and I think the rear is much better solved than the the front bit that's getting longer. Yeah, that's uh, that's one thing, but at the same time, it's just it it looks like a very dys dystopian and dis, you know disorderly future. I just don't find it a a, a thing that I want to see on the road driving ahead of me. You know, this this looks like almost like a negative and a very scary Blade Runner, um, like future in that sense. The interior as well is like you know. The seats are yellow, but it doesn't necessarily look like a very comfortable place to ride in. You know, everything is very edgy. Everything is very sharp. It's it's certainly modern. I do understand that, but it's also it, it's not very welcoming. Um, I I you know when I when I looked back into the Easy Pro, for example. Um, I had a much better feeling about that. I was like, yeah, I want to go in there. And I, you know, I could see this really becoming a utility vehicle. Whereas with this one, it's, it, it seems there's too much. Then on the one hand, there's edginess. Then there's just the, the, the softness and the round, um, you know, the, the, the wheelbases, of course. And it's, uh, it's just so like so many things happening at the same time. The lights are so strong, you know. It seems like they have used like more and more Renault logos to kind of multiply in the lights, so that you know they, they get a certain I don't know, like you know, a branding image through that. I I just don't get I just don't get warm with it. It just doesn't make me like from a from a personal perspective. I don't want to look at it. You know, it's just like, I, I, I don't want to just like, oh yeah, this looks cool. It looks like, it, it looks like a weird, maybe futuristic Land Rover or something like that, but nothing where I was just like, oh, I would really enjoy, you know, seeing that on the road or, you know, even seeing that on a, uh, on a show floor. It's just more like, yeah, okay. I see it, but then I don't have to go and like, look at it again because it kind of, it's kind of offensive. You know, that's, but that's my very personal view. And I can only put that from an emotional perspective. Um, and I understand that certain kind of technologies they require, you know, um, have 
have a certain kind of way they have to look, but it's just not a very pleasing, aesthetically pleasing concept for me. Um, and that's why I said it could be so much better. I think Renault has shown that they can, you know, show concepts that have been very aesthetically pleasing, but also very complex. This is not necessarily my cup of tea, I have to say. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can see definitely like a little bit of Land Rover in there, you know. Um, but overall, I think this is one of the stars of the show. Um, and I, I do love, you know, the use of color, the way that, uh, you know, obviously they're taking a, a very popular typology of vehicle in the SUV and making it even more kind of practical. You've got this compact, you know, short urban kind of, you know, um, little guy wanting to uh, wanting to explore the city and, and do all of that. Mm. And then you've got this longer, more, um, you know, comfortable, travel friendly companion as well. So I think it's I think it's really uh, I think it's very well done. Personally, this is w- one of the stars of the show for me, for sure. Um, of the no show. Yeah. But, of the uh, no show. <laughs> of the Geneva, the Geneva yeah. no show. It's all a right. shame that we didn't get to see it in person because watching this thing kind of go through the motions is probably, um, yeah, would have been a very, very cool thing to see in person. Yeah. All right. Now, what we both thought, however, was quite cool, um, maybe a bit misplaced in terms of the brand, <laughs> mm. but this is something I would like to discuss with you, uh, is the Hyundai Prophecy. Ah, yes. And we we saw uh, teasers about this with the lights, and the first thing I was like, oh, they're doing a 911. Mm. <laughs> mm. And the, the second thought was, why is this not a Genesis? <laughs> so yeah. uh, now that we have seen all... The pictures we have seen all you know all the reveals around this as well um i say i like this thing there's tiny bits and pieces that i don't enjoy but i'm still asking the question why is this not a genesis mm. well i mean i don't know i think you know it's that is a good question <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't have an answer um you know i i think yeah i mean if I look at this car, objectively speaking, you know, um, or even subjectively, I should say, um, Hyundai is still very much, I think, in the stage where they're firing a shotgun, you know, mm. and a shotgun is not a, it's not a nine millimeter hollow point, right? It's not a very specific bullet. When you hit a target on with a shotgun, it just disperses all over the damn place and you end up getting shrapnel all over the damn target. So this is to me, Hyundai still trying to figure out where it is that they want to go. Because if you look at what they showed in, um, now it it could be, you know, uh, a bit different certainly than what the, uh, the, the, the concept 45 was. It could be that they were just, exploring at that point, you know, providing an homage to Mm. the original vehicle created by Jujaro back in the day when, you know, Hyundai was still trying to figure out what to do with their first car. And then, uh, and so I get that. Okay. Concept 45, but concept 45, that interpretation is kind of the polar opposite of this prophecy, polar opposite, Um, you know, from a surfacing perspective, uh, even from an interior perspective, like design wise, I mean, this, like what what uh, what Donkervolk said in that very, very famous video that's been circulating, seeing as they had no press conference, there's about a 16-minute video going around circulating, and the good part is about halfway through and Luke starts talking about the actual design of the vehicle. Um, there's been smaller videos as well showing uh, Simon and, um, and uh, Sangyup talking about the car as well. Now, um, their video is more, I don't know, marketing, whereas Luke kind of gives us more of a reason, a raison d'être behind this vehicle. And he talks about something in particular that is really um, um, was my favorite part. And he talks about like the 20s and the 30s and how back then um, it was kind of a more optimistic future, you know, looking into mm. what could be created and uh, all of this, um, you know, it, it was it was very optimistic opportunistic time um, within the industry. Now, I think that what they've done clearly is they've meant to showcase some of these same levels of enthusiasm and the future optimism as the 1920s and 1930s era streamlined cars. But in a more abstract way, I mean, it is very much, you know, a a flowing, pleasing pebble shape because they they do Mm. note that that was part of the influence was this black pebble. 
And but then the interior is also kind of juxtaposed against that and a bit jarring as well, if I do say, with the colors and the you know, certainly the 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 way that they've chosen to go about this aesthetically. And then there's kind of the whole joystick thing, which I'm like, eh, you know, is that gonna be really worthwhile? Like is that useful? Mm. Is that even like or is that just sci-fi? Like just because you know designers like sci-fi. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think the interior kind of works in a weird way with like these these woven fabrics and these animated patterns and you know it just kind of looks a bit old school but also very modern i mean that's the thing it's like with fashion you know you get this recycling of you know fashion kind of comes and goes like stuff that was fashionable in the 70s or the 80s is now back trendy and that's kind of what i feel with when i look at this but again if i'm looking at the exterior like you know, the front end of that car, the front face, the headlamps in particular, um, all of that is like really, really um, cool. You know, the, the the tail lamps and the headlamps. So the DRG of this car is, is really quite interesting. Um, but then you've got this flowing form, which, yes, I mean, certainly has a lot of Porsche um, in it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, some people were within within the the studio within the design team where we're looking at uh maybe the new uh maybe not the panamera but um you know the new uh little electric guy and saying hey you know we quite like this um you know what what porsche has done with the taycan uh, so you know maybe we should do something similar with hyundai i don't know I don't, I don't know if that even crossed their mind i'm just speculating over here but it is very much it does have a lot of Porsche to it, save from the front and the rear end, which is way more unique than uh, than anything that we've seen in recent times. So I don't know. I like it. It's not uh, it's not a bad car. I do wish that they hadn't chosen black because black, especially if you're just looking at pictures as we are, is uh, really difficult to read any type of detail or any type of, um, yeah, like uh, you can't really tell surface changes, things like that. I mean, you're just looking at a pretty picture, but. Um, yep. I, I like I like the concept. Whether it's wearing the wrong badge, I don't know, but uh, I do like it. Yeah, I, th- I think especially seeing the Essentia, you know, this would have been for me personally more a Genesis car. Mm. Um, just just because of that kind of style. I mean, if we, you know, if you look back into the part one where we were talking about the the GV80. You know, you you think about okay, it's a very free flowing form. It's very you know very simple lines, very few lines. So for me, like you know, it just matches the Genesis language a little bit better. Mm. Um, now, it's certainly and very very heavily influenced by a Porsche, um, and also I think you know similar to that uh, G eighty um, that they have shown from from Genesis, also by this. Uh, a7 Walter da Silva language you know it's almost like a fastback again uh, very similar in terms of uh, in terms of the free-flowing lines very beautiful very simple um, this one has you know compared to in part one <laughs> much better wheels uh, I have to say mm. the uh, that looks much better uh, I'm not so sure about the rear I was expecting when I saw the lights I was like whoa incredible but now that I see the pictures it's kind of it's almost like a too you know too much of a cut between the um between the the rear line and the 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 d pillar and then when the lights come in i can understand like you know they want to push for something they want to try something very new it's almost a little bit too extreme for me in the difference of beauty and then this kind of hardcore lighting system um, when the light is obviously on and you're in the dark, it looks pretty cool. Mm. Uh, what I find a little bit ridiculous is that spoiler. I think it could have done well without the spoiler or, you know, in a, in a different kind of setup. I think that's just, you know, it looks like a plastic piece that you just put on top. Uh, pfft, I don't know. Like, you know, this, this looks like it, it was added like last minute and somebody was not able to, I don't know, paint it. Mm. Uh, it just looks a little <laughs> bit out of, out of, out of proportion. And uh, what I do, however, like is the interior in general. Um, so I think from, from what I understand, the exterior was done in Korea. The interior was actually done in Germany mm. uh, in the studio there. So I, I like the direction that this goes to, this kind of 
you know, joystick um, steering system is a very interesting model. I don't think, you know, it, it would be better based for a video game rather than for a real car. But uh, what it means is that the steering wheel is still there, but, you know, it's not in that sense. So it, it gives you so much more what you can do with the screen. You can see almost like a Byton-esque, you know, 40-inch or whatever it is uh, screen on there. And uh, because you don't have the steering wheel in the middle, you can use that screen completely differently. You know, you don't need to have the uh, you know the, the speedometer in the in the same place as you would have when the steering wheel would be right in front of you. Mm. Uh, your seating position can change. It's a very interesting concept behind it. Now, if this would actually work in the real life, I would love to see that um, in a in, in like a testing environment. I'm pretty sure something like this could happen. But um, from a conceptual point of view, um, it's it's very 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 interesting. But still, like I said, I think uh, if this, I, I personally think if this would have been a uh, um, a Genesis car, it just would have fit the the brand a little bit better, you know. Because I, for me, you know, when we when we look at Hyundai, Hyundai is not on this kind of luxury uh, or like premium market. It's more in the middle, mm. yeah. And this looks oh, actually like it's aiming low a little end bit higher. in the states yeah yeah um, so in the states it's low end yeah so i, I mean i would yeah. even be happy to have something like this as a stinger uh development at kia for example mm. i could have lived with that much better but i just don't see like as nice as the concept is but where would this concept be in an actual lineup in hyundai whereas with kia and of course genesis i could see that a little bit better mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, uh, like I said, I, I like some of where it is that they're going. You know, what technologies enabled, particularly <laughs> in terms of the headlamps and the tail lamps. I like that. That's new. That's interesting. That's fresh. That's modern. Um, the interior. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a complete pipe dream. It's like, you know, why show something with a joystick? But you know, they have their arguments for it. Why not? Um, but yeah, I, I think the interior of the um or rather the exterior of the car is more kind of you know cool eye candy stuff going on and i think that's where the focus pretty much was um in terms of creating these um you know head and tail lamps as they are using this um this technology uh but i i i, I don't know i mean it's i think it's nice i think it's also yeah, like you say maybe a bit like you know, dumpy at the rear end where it doesn't, but again, I'm, I'm judging based on pictures of a black car. Like that's yeah. really, really difficult to do. Um, but I do like the spoiler. I do kind of wish that I knew a bit more about what was happening within that. So, um, you know, but I don't have as many details as I'd like regarding, you know, why it is that they've chose to make it this transparent plexiglass or indeed what's going on with the, uh, with the intricate, um, you know, detailing and pattern within it, I mean, does that serve a purpose? Is it just to look cool? Because it mm. kind of looks like an EQ, you know, like maybe that lights up that in some cool way. Um, I don't know. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like the fact that it's this transparent glass because it's completely, um, you know, you can then see it very, you know, it's it stands out from the rest of it, right? Because yeah. – Otherwise, it would just be a, a black uh, pebble. <laughs> so, so <laughs> exactly. anyway, yeah. But still, like we we have to say we like this. Yeah. So yes. obviously, we can yes. we can always find some little bits and pieces that we that we don't uh, that we don't enjoy. But uh, we do like this very much. I have to say, from my personal perspective. Now, what I do not like very much is this uh, horrendous BMW i4 concept. Mm. Um, I, you know, we were all hoping that they could fix what they've shown in Frankfurt, where they have shown this uh, really nice, what was it, was it an i4 as well, or whatever concept car it was, uh, where it just had the horrendous front, but the rear and the side was actually really nice. So yeah. we had a big, big hope for BMW to come up with something really cool. I really like the coupe. The one that was shown in uh, in yeah. Frankfurt was very, very nice. Um, yep. Yeah, it, me too. And, and this, yeah, is kind of uh, another another take on that for coupe that we saw in Frankfurt. Look, look let's be, I, okay. I'm going to be honest. I know I get, I, you know, people at BMW have come back to me as well about this. You know, yes, we might have a little bit of this, uh, image of BMW bashing, but look, they had, they had everything in Frankfurt. They just had to finish, you know, fix up the, uh, the front a little bit. And what are they doing? It's, 
look, it's not a great car. And I think, you know, they're not helping themselves with the color in particular. Uh, it's a color that was used for another concept, uh, you know, I think the CS concept already. I personally don't think it looks good. You know, I, I think brown or bronze cars should not exist uh, because <laughs> it just, it, you know, just to put it out there, you know, brown oftentimes look like, looks like a pile of shit. It's just the way it is. And when you put that onto a car, it's very difficult to make that work. So um, it's just a very difficult color that I can that 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 you have to look at. Um, but it's also the entire car for me is not very original. You know, the rear is something that we have seen in elements already on the BMW i8, and that car is what ten years old now. Um, the front, I'm not, I'm really not a fan of these massive kidneys. And when you have an electric car, you don't need the kidneys to be that massive. You can solve it differently. I just think that you know it's they had so much potential, and I know that the designers that have worked on it um, have have worked very very hard on this as well. Um, the interior is much better than the exterior, but I think the direction that the general BMW is continuing to go also holds back really the quality of the designers that you have, not as much on the interior at the moment, but massively on the exterior. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of this. Now I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, BMW bashing. I own a BMW. Damn it. I just wish they could come back to what it is that they've done. Um, in the past, I think, you know, they were leaders. Now it just seems, I don't know, man. I really do think that, you know, if Hyundai had come up with something like this, maybe we wouldn't be kind of so, um, you know, critical of it. Um, but to me, I just, I think it looks dumpy, man. The problem, the problem here, and, and I'll qualify that, <laughs> uh, what I mean by that is that there's just too much bulk, too much weight into yeah. the lower half of this vehicle from the hood, from the body side, and certainly from the rear. Um, it looks like it's got a fat ass. I mean, especially if you look at this thing from a, a, a profile, um, you know, okay, yes, you want to make the, uh, the DLO dynamic. You want to make it plunging down towards the front and all of that good stuff. But then you end up with this massively high deck lid where you just have to make everything else kind of adapt. So proportionally, I think it's off. Again, mm. like I'm, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say this because I do really like the exterior designer. I remember her project at Forsyth many, many years ago, which was absolutely incredible. Um, and I do wish, and that's the reason she got the job at BMW, because then BMW design director Chris Bangle brought her in and said, you need to work for me. She had some very innovative ideas. This is not innovative. This is yeah. like, I just don't, you know, get what it is that they're looking to do, especially when you look back in the history of the iBrand, right? These were revolutionary vehicles. I mean, i3, i8, those were incredible um, from a, a design perspective. Whereas this one, you know, is, um, I mean, it's not as nondescript as a DS, but in concept form, like, come on, guys, like this could be so much better than it is. Like, look, not the 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 grill is is the thing is the topic on everybody's on everybody's plate right now everybody's like talking about how big the BMW's grills have gotten and all of that and you know that is obviously a question of brand identity yeah and mm. i mean i don't like it but i do understand what it is that they're you know that is how they communicate that yes, some of BMW but they used to do it more elegantly in the past and certainly you still knew that you were looking at a BMW um, especially during the Bengal times. And, you know, I'm not going to harp on that too much, but, uh, you know, he did during his tenure create something that was universally, uh, lauded or sorry, um, very much disapproved of and critic critiqued at the time. But then now we're seeing so many, uh, companies that had subsequently jumped out on the bandwagon emulating, uh, what it is that, uh, Chris kind of initiated over there at Bengal now uh, at uh, BMW. So, BMW, you know, um, is has a is a brand with an incredible pedigree, and it's a real shame to see it. And I, I don't want to be like, you know, um, saying that I'm uh, BMW bashing, or in fact that I'm a BMW fanboy. But it doesn't seem, or a, a, a Bengal fanboy rather, but it does seem that things have kind of taken a dive uh, over there, and not for the better, clearly. 
Um, but I do want to address yeah. one of the things that you mentioned, which is the color. Now, the color, um, my first car was brown, right? But it was also a 1973 Lincoln. So that's a bit different, <laughs> right? Um, and again, it, it's like coming back to my what I was discussing earlier, what I was mentioning earlier, rather, in terms of fashion and recycling. Like We have seen uh, brown make a comeback. Um, this particular kind of beige looking color is something that we have seen in recent BMW concepts as well. Remember yeah. that, uh, yeah. that uh, seven, the massive thing. Um, so I think if you're um, now unable to attend auto shows and having to be a desktop critique, uh, you know, looking at uh, your of uh, these images of, of the concept cars revealed, this is probably the better color to showcase your vehicle in just because you can actually read surface changes. You can mm. actually read a lot of the elements of, uh, of the design, certainly, um, you know, the exterior design. Um, and so I, I, I can't, you know, I'm not mad at this, but also, you know, and this is again, moving into electric, uh, moving into the interior copper is the electric conductor, therefore very much on trend at the moment in terms of being on every single electric vehicle in some form. And I think the interior of the car is actually quite nice. I do wish that it was, you know, less screen in your face, more rounded, but technically, and that's pretty much what they're showcasing is this technology aspect, technology, mm. technology. It's, it's, uh, it's readily apparent within the, uh, the interior of this car, which in my opinion is far more successful than the interior exterior design. Rather. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, it, it clearly takes some inspiration also from Mercedes. Uh, if you look into the screen in particular, it's a very Mercedes esque size of a screen, um, which I am certainly not mad about because I like that MBUX system and I like the, um, the setup that they have over there. Um, and it, and it also looks very clean. I mean, it, it almost looks for me that, you know, the, the interior is much more sophisticated. It seems like, you know, there's, there's a much better thinking of, you know, what, what, what is the, the, what, what does a BMW stand for? And I mean, you know, this is an I model, so it's not a, an M model that needs to be ultra aggressive and all these kind of things. So, um, I like the colors, as well, I'm not a big fan of copper, of copper myself, but the combination with the white, um, I'm 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 quite happy to look at. That's uh, certainly not the point. Uh, but I so definitely well done on the interior team on that one, and also on the color and trim team. Apart from the exterior color, I don't like that. I can't live with that. That's just terrible. But uh, that's just me personally. Um, but what I found like really sad about this is it pretty much looks like a 4 or 5 series that has been ie-fied if you want to if you know what i mean you know it looks like we take the elements that you know the team around Benoit Jacob built when BMW i was truly in existence in existence and you know when they started to do the the i3 and the i8 and they've literally just put copy and paste on a bad photoshop uh, these elements onto the car and they've then just kind of tried to work it out in that sense. And that that's just what I, what I find so disappointing about this exterior because all these people that they have at BMW, they're so talented, you know, and I don't know if this has to do with nobody properly speaking up or, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, what, what the, the hierarchy work or is like at BMW internally to make these kind of decisions, but um, I, I don't think that, you know, the brand will survive based on design. It will survive based on the name and that the people enjoy it. But how long can that go ahead without a design going on the same level? Because it's been, you know, quite some time now that we had a little bit, quite a bit of disappointment from BMW. Um, and something's missing there. You know, it's, I don't know if this is the feeling. And I know that Van Hoydonk has said multiple times, oh, you know, other markets like it. But do they really? That's the that's the question. I'm not quite sure, and the, the sales numbers don't don't always say the same thing that he does. So I'm, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see that they can hopefully move it forward, and then coupe that they have in Frankfurt. Apart from the front, we 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 all like that. Everybody did, you know. So they're not far away from each other. They just have to maybe become, you know, a little bit more listening to to the people around them, in my opinion. But um, who are we to judge? You know, we're, we're not the decision makers at BMW. 
No, but it doesn't seem like the design team is much either. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, and that's that's a completely different problem. But I don't think that the design the uh, design team has actually anything to say in the decision making. I mm -hmm. think you know they're being told what they do, and that's what they do. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. there's not. It doesn't look like there's a lot of challenging happening there. Mm. Yeah. No, but. Let's move on. Last but not least of the concept cars that we wanted to talk about in this uh, part two of the Geneva No Show. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the DS Aerosport Lounge concept. Uh, in part one, we kind of ripped apart the DS9. Um, Eric, what, what do you think of this one? Well, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say I ripped apart the DS9. I just, it's nondescript. We were disappointed. It's, it's we nondescript to me. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. this, this thing you know, is, uh, is an SUV. So clearly a very successful typology. Um, they say that it is not a typology, uh, an SUV, but it is an SUV. They call it an Aerosport lounge and that's fine. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's got some SUV coupe, uh, undertones clearly. Um, now I, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a big, it's a big car. Um, you know, I, I think personally, like exterior wise, like, you know, meh, whatever. I mean, there's, there's again, some arrow elements going on with the hood, just like in the Polestar precept, but here it seems like they're less well resolved with these little wings kind of hanging over the front sections of the hood. I do like what it is that they've done in terms of, you know, breaking up the volumes from a color perspective, right? It's two tones. So they've got mm -hmm. this kind of black um, main element uh, to the body, which is then, um, you know, and we've seen this before in other vehicles uh, and other concepts, especially uh, where there's this other kind of second skin, if you will, going around the car in a different color. And that's kind of the feel that I get looking at this, um, this Aerosport Lounge concept. Um so, yeah, it's not bad in, in that sense. But then in the interior, and this is something that I, I guess, uh, criticism that I can levy against the, uh, the Lagonda SUV as well, or certainly more recent Lagonda concepts, it's that when you look inside, and this thing has a lot of really um, interesting materials from a sustainability perspective on the interior, mm -hmm. it just looks dated. It looks like you know, something you could find in like, you know, maybe, you know, some five-star hotels in the 1970s in terms of the overall aesthetic and decor of the interior of these vehicles. Um, and this one in particular, you know, I'm sure they were influenced by some high-tech hotels, um, some, you know, uh, really luxurious um, uh, uh, spaces. But to me, it's like, there's a lot of things that I guess would add additional weight, which are kind of unnecessary. And, and then their overall feel, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the interior in particular is not one of, um, of, uh, of, of, of future. It's more, you know, like I said, mm -hmm. 1970s technology aside, if you look at this entire concept, it's not all that much like, you know, future oriented, right? If you take out, the screens in the grill or in the IP, for example, it's not like, you know, this could have been launched, what, like five years ago. I mean, it's not like it's um, particularly innovative and which is a shame again, because DS has the potential to really be something quite, um, quite interesting. But yeah, I mean, um, I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of this car from an exterior design perspective either. You know, I, I just think that, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really know why somebody would want this type of vehicle. But again, I'm not I'm not the buyer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe some people would find this exciting and interesting. Um, to me, it just I don't know. It just doesn't. I think it comes back a little bit to the conversation we have with the DS9 as well is I there's very little that connects it to the original DS. And that's what I find very challenging about this is, you know, like when I think about DS, I think about soft lines, I think about beauty, you know, I think about simplicity, but, you know, at the same time, a very sophisticated kind of way of, of dealing in, with car design. 
and and this one just doesn't seem like that you know it seems very edgy it seems very aggressive in in the shapes the shapes you know seem quite uh quite hard mm. rather than soft uh it's very straight rather than you know more curved um also from the pictures that we see there's always a lot going on so sometimes you have you know some kind of curvature then it goes directly back into like a really hard line um i i found that sometimes just like you know aesthetically quite difficult like either make it very hard as it uh, in general or just make it soft but like you know finding that middle way uh, and if we look back to the to the to the Hyundai for example you know they were all around very soft so that has worked out very nicely um the Polestar, I would say, in general, had a little bit of a harder touch to it because mm. it is a, the modern kind of way of doing things, but it was very consequent in the way of how it did it, you know. And this one has a little bit of both, but it doesn't really match the entire thing. Where it is consequent is uh, that it's the same on the interior. Um, so the seats look very, you know, edgy as well, um, very, you know, geometrical, very, like, you know, triangular in that regards rather than, like, soft um, you know, like a soft, soft touch to it. Um, so I'm personally just not a fan of that. I like these kind of more, you know, well-rounded and uh, more beautiful and sim- simplistic shapes rather than these, you know, hardcore cutoff, um, edgy shapes. And for me, it's just like, I don't, I don't know where DS wants to go with this. I mean, you know, also with the DS9, uh, with this concept, what is the plan? What is the picture that the company or like the brand wants to um, wants to build with Citroen? I see that much clearer. With Peugeot, I see that much clearer. With this one, I just I just don't know. There's the clear pic- picture missing, um, and that's the sad thing about it. Uh, you know, it's like you know, I I, I just don't know what they what they want to show with uh, what they want to show us with that. Yeah, I think this is more of a showcase of. You know, materials, I think, in Mm. my perspective, it's more, you know, what can we do in terms of utilizing some, you know, really commonplace kind of material, like straw, for example, um, to make it much more of a luxury element. Um, Mm. And that, to me, is, you know, really quite cool. You know, again, there's a sustainability story here, which is, um, yeah, from that material, that perspective, it's on par with uh, what we've seen out out of Volvo. Um, they just mm. didn't take it far enough, right? Um, you know, the the technology as well is also another thing that they're trying to showcase within this vehicle from a luxury perspective. You know, um, the the screens, the uh, the the, pra- the 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 virtual um, you know ultrasound and all of the rest in terms of like getting some some tactile feedback uh, within this uh, this this uh, interior. Um, you know, bringing it, making it more human centric. I mean, DS like Citroen is all about like comfort, right? And I mean, that's what mm-hmm. it was. That's what it started out as. But it, to me, it just doesn't, it's not as inviting as some of these other concepts that we've covered. Um, certainly not the Polestar thing, which is more modern, mm-hmm. more futuristic. This one is more claustrophobic, if I say so, you know, even in yeah. a five meter long vehicle, it just doesn't feel as open as airy. Maybe that's not what they were going for. Maybe it's more the, you know, cosseting style of environment they were looking for. I don't know. But yeah. I'm, ultimately, I'm just not the biggest fan. Um, and uh, it is a shame because, yeah, I mean, to me, this doesn't resonate at all. No, and it's something that I just to kind of finish this off, I think, if you look back to the ETENS concept, Back in 2000, I think it was 16. Mm, yes, um, yes. The, the green car, which was the, uh, which was uh, the exterior done by Bob Ronquist, mm-hmm. it was a much more you know cohesive and coherent picture that they were building. They still had some edges in there, and they tried to make it a bit more aggressive. Mm. But um, there was this very much sensuality with it, and uh, and that was difficult to see in the new one. And uh, that was always something that I appreciated very much about the E10s. Uh, with this new one, it's kind of losing, you know, that that mix that we mentioned earlier. So uh, unfortunately, over the past four years, it seems like they've they've gone downhill a little bit mm. um, with maybe their decision making or maybe with the direction that comes from the top. We don't know. Yeah, I yeah, I really yeah. I really couldn't say, but uh, it is a shame. 
that uh yeah. yeah they are not as uh they're not at the level that we feel they should be <laughs> if we yeah, just you unfortunately. know unfortunately and you're not inside there you know you don't know maybe they were having their budgets cut their strings pulled i don't know what's happening but um certainly it doesn't seem like it's as progressive as you know certainly that uh that ds étense concept that was shown yeah. in geneva several years back yeah yeah all right, Eric. Then uh, that was it for part two of the Geneva No Show. Yes. <laughs> uh, once again, thank you very much for being part of this and uh, that we always keep on doing these fun podcast episodes together. My pleasure, um, Martin. Thank you. Just for everybody, uh, you can find Eric on, I think, all big social media networks such as uh, LinkedIn, such as uh, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, under the handle at FormTrends. Uh, on LinkedIn, you'll find him at Eric Galina. Uh, myself, you can find me and you know the company behind it at uh, the uh, the handle at Concept House, and you can find me on LinkedIn uh, at Martin Groschwald. And uh, please do us a favor when you listen to this, uh, if you download this from iTunes or if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. It will help us to you know, push us up a little bit in our respective category, which means we will get some more listeners, which is always great for us. Uh, if you listen to us on our Podigy website, feel free to comment. Uh, we're always happy to see you know people engaging with us, but also do that on uh, on the social media challenge, uh, channels. And uh, yeah, be prepared. We already have, uh, I think, a couple of new special episodes coming uh, after you have listened to this episode, which we're very excited about, which is going to be very cool. So you will hear from us back again at these special episodes. And in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Eric. And uh, you will hear back from us very soon. Take care, Thanks guys. Thanks a lot, Cheers. guys. Take care.